0: G'day everyone and welcome to Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David Brown and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. But I missed this week's sermon, so I'm very, very thankful for the sermon podcast because I was on holiday with my family. Thankfully, Ken Hansen, who is a deacon in our church and also a police chaplain, was able to step into the breach and deliver our third sermon in our Jesus, Your Anchor in Anxiety series. Today's sermon focuses on Philippians chapter 2 and the unity found in Christ. Enjoy the sermon. The first reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others, in your relationships with one another, had the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, to the glory of God the Father. Hear the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. If the Apostle Paul was uh, writing to us here today, he would probably begin in this way. To the parishioners of St. John's in Dolby. Greetings to you all from I, Paul, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul always began his letters with some kind of greeting or salutation, not forgetting who he serves, our Lord Jesus Christ. This was uh, followed by some words of encouragement and then his message. It was generally customary for the Middle Eastern people to get each other uh, to greet each other first before continuing on in their conversation. Now looking to understand chapter 2 of Philippians we need to revisit chapter 1 where Paul is describing his own situation Of being in prison. Pretty gruesome, eh? Paul wants to assure the Philippian Christians that his imprisonment has actually served to further spread the gospel message and for Paul being in prison has given him opportunity to witness to the Imperial Roman guards. I'm virtually repeating what da- Father David shared with us last week about how many guards it took to look after Paul daily. Now Paul is emphasizing reassurance to the Philippian Christians by letter not to interpret his imprisonment as if God had abandoned me. God didn't abandon him, abandon him at all. No siree. Also, Paul reminded the Philippians of their experience in Christ and God's deep love for them, and became oh, and because of the Spirit who dwells inside of them and became of their oh sorry, and because of their compassion and mercy, which they share with one another, the Apostle Paul goes on to exhort them in unity. And we heard a little bit about that this morning. The word extort is emphasized here meaning strongly to advise. So Paul was strongly advising the Philippians in unity. Paul was also encouraging them to complete his joy. That is to say that they should be of the same mind in agreement by having the same love, the love Christ has for us, and being united in one spirit of unity and prayer, and having one purpose to love and care for one another, rather than being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity. Each one of them, that is the Philippians, should be moved to treat one another as far more important than themselves. That they should be concerned not only about their own interests, but also the interests of others around them. And while we ponder on that for a moment, one of uh, Father David's uh, first questions in his booklet Jesus, your anchor in anxiety, and there's still plenty of these little booklets down the back if you're following them week by week, is for us to think about what the first thing we think about when we hear the phrase being united. What do we think about when we hear the word being united? Well I did a bit of a search, cross-referencing really, and what I found might be an answer to this question in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It says all of you are part of the same body. There is only one Spirit of God. We have only one body and one spirit just as we were called in one hope of our calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in us all." All are baptized. Now I have some more questions for us to think about. Why do some people not have joy in their lives? Why do acts of hatred, neglect, and selfishness dominate our world? Why aren't things better? Why can't we have lasting peace, joy and commitment? Why aren't we all united in love for one another? More importantly, what can we do to help fix these problems? How can we best combat evil? How can we bring healing to those who are hurt by the cruelty and indifferences of this world? How can we fix it? Indeed, these are very important questions that hopefully guide all men and women of good intent to do better. There is so much wickedness, pain, and confusion in the world, it's very hard for us to know where to begin. The way we answer these important questions of where to begin sets uh, sets us in motion a series of decisions or actions that can genuinely make the world a better place to live in. And sometimes they could simply add to the world's pain. So where does one start? It starts with self. There is no alternative. I am the only thing that I can really control. I can't fix other people's problems until I can control my own. Passion and intention are no substitute for objectivity. Moreover, until I fix myself, I will just be spreading more confusion. The peace and unity Saint. Paul writes of and the God and that God has promised to the world cannot occur until our minds are at peace and united in purpose. A lack of harmony in communities is something that human civilizations have tried to deal with from be- very early times. So what do we do? Though we all have much to be thankful for, the pace and pressures of this life often seem to squeeze joy from us. We get around like our shoulders are slumped over and our heads become bowed, as if we were checking out the ground. And we find that some days, or even months, are very difficult to get through. Desperately, we often find ourselves searching for joy in all kinds of ways. By buying a new car, or a new dress, or by taking a holiday, seeing different people, But none of these material things can really provide lasting joy. The car breaks down, the dress wears out, it rains all during the holiday, and different people aren't so kind towards us. So where do we find joy? Where do we find our joy in the midst of all these trying circumstances? I think that says it. The Apostle Paul knew as did the Philippians that true joy comes only through humble faith and by joining together in unity and harmony with Christ's fellow followers and by serving our brothers and sisters in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. David and Zoe Arthur and Yvonne, Shirley Allen Joy Shield and many others of you here display this inner joy in their lives. Yes, even through the times of testing. This joy was experienced by the Philippian uh, believers and it is a life available for us right now. Allow the joy you find in Jesus to keep you from useless quarrels and divisions by getting ourselves to understand the gospel message in the Bible and by enabling the Spirit of God to guide us into more harmonious relationships with God's people. It's all true. New Testament records a visit to the city of Philippi by the Apostle Paul during his second missionary journey. On the basis of the Acts of the Apostles and the letter to the Philippians, early Christians concluded that Paul had founded their community. He was what we would call their pastor, their very first pastor. Paul is believed to have preached for the first time on European soil in Philippi and according to the New Testament the epistle to the Philippians dates from around about AD 61-62 and is believed to have shown the immediate effects of Paul's instructions. This uh, picture is of a floor mosaic with the name of St. Paul, found in the ruins of the Octagonal uh, Basilica in Philippi. That's it there on the screen. Paul had a deep love for the Christians in Philippi. They were very special to him. Philippi had one of the oldest congregations in Europe and recorded evidence of a line of bishops dating from the fourth century. We can't get away from those bishops, can we? The prosperity of the city in the fifth and sixth centuries was attributed to Paul and his ministry. Many ecclesiastical buildings were constructed at that time. Historians say that seven different churches were built in Philippi between the mid fourth century and the end of the 6th century some of which competed in size and decorations with the most beautiful buildings in Thessalonica or with those in Constantinople Philippi's community was about the size of Dolby, believe it or not there was about 10,000 people there and was of middle and upper class people of Greek origin along with retired Roman soldiers and their families, some of whom also became converted to Christianity, all within the city of Philippi. This is a fact and can be assured by the financial support that uh, the church provided Paul on one or more occasions. That's recorded in Philippians 4:16. Inscriptions from the following centuries also show the affluent Greek and Roman people had a spirit of ecumenical brotherhood. And through this unity, they had had active financial support, not only for the Apostle Paul, but also to the local church of Antiochia. Paul's letter to the Philippians brims over with quotes passages such as He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And another To live is Christ and to die is gain. And yet again I can do all things through him who strengthens me. These are just a few quotes Insistently, the portrait of Jesus as a humble servant serves as the core of Paul's teaching in his letter. Paul's joy at the mere thought of the Philippian church is undeniable in his letter. And it's the same joy that he wanted uh, the recipients to possess as well. To lead the Philippians to his, this truth, Paul took them directly to Jesus, teaching them that a community of believing believers live in harmony with one another comes only through mutual humility modelled after our Saviour Jesus Christ. Paul wrote that he poured out his life as an offering for the sake of Christ, leading Paul to find great joy and contentment in Christ's service. Paul's letter to the Philippians showed them that by centering their lives on Christ, they too might live in true joy. Father David and Zoe will have more to say about this in the coming weeks when they return from their holidays. So in conclusion today, we must ask ourselves, are we here to serve or are we here to be served? Is our attitude like the world's or is it like Christ's? Are we going through the motion of service Or are we becoming servant? The example has been set for us. The call is made clear to us. All that remains today is our response, our decision, and finally our commitment. Will we be like Jesus today or not? The Lord be with you.